Across the country and around the world, across the street and around the corner, this is Over the Culture. This is Over the Culture podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like time wasters. And I'm your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Black, Reefer Sutherland, Loop Fly Talker, the most interesting blurred in podcasting, the troller of trolls, the prince of petty, Steve G. Yeah, so your boy got dumped the other day. <laughs> Yeah, I had a girlfriend, and now I don't have a girlfriend. And it was all over a misunderstanding, a simple misunderstanding. But that just goes to show how disposable we are in this dating app era that we currently live in. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I can't say bad things. I'm not going to say bad things about the girl because I, I think she's a sweet person. Uh, just not as sweet as I thought. Uh, you know, I, I got sent my walking papers via text and I'm just like, man, that was abrupt. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that it was uh, more to it. It was a, a getting to a boiling point and uh, she probably felt that I wasn't the one for her. Uh, for a while and she just looked for a reason because like I said it from the reasoning that was given to me was a misunderstanding and uh, you know I was getting to a point where I thought highly of the girl uh, we had dated for about two going on three months and uh, I was just let go just last night um, but hey tough titty and you know, I, I think that my time was wasted, but all is not lost because I feel like I got closer to what I want, to what I am looking for, to what I should have. And, you know, we had a good time. Uh, I enjoyed myself. And uh, but my thing is this, uh, I, I'm fine with you taking your time. But at the same time, I, I get impatient when I feel like you're not trying to make any move at all. I'm not a eunuch. Uh, last I checked, I do have a penis and, uh, I live in Atlanta, home of freak Nick. And in the past three months, there hasn't been any freak, no Nick to speak of. And I, I could just sit in my room and just, Oh man, why don't nobody want me, man? No little girls like me, man. Won't they just, uh, man, won't they just touch it? They don't want to have sex. They don't want to do the sex with me. No, I could be like that. Or I could be like, hey, nigga, get back on these apps, re-download those motherfuckers, and let's find some hoes. And I I'm more of the latter because I've learned that Atlanta is the capital of ghosting. It, it, it takes nothing little to nothing for a girl to just dismiss you uh you know you can go out to these uh nice dates and have a good conversation but uh let's let's say you show up and you, you one sock doesn't match the other up uh, unmatched don't ever speak to me again i'm blocked lose my number and that's kind of where we are so because of that you just have to move accordingly man it makes you stronger uh you can't just take yourself completely out of the race uh you know 
one monkey don't stop the whole damn show. That's my adage. And hey, man, lick your wounds, pucker up, buttercup, chop, chop. You'll be all right. Life's too short. Life's too short to get snug, to get caught by the cogs in the machine. And ultimately, that's what she was, just a cog in the machine. And the further I get away from that day, the further I get away from her, i.e. find more hoes. You know, and I'm not calling her a hoe. I need to find some hoes, though. Get back in some pussy. That's my remedy. Well, actually, get into some pussy. That's the remedy. Because we wasn't fucking. There was no doing the sex with with her so yeah that that's that that'll suffice but you know what was more heartbreaking than being dumped by my 3 month uh almost 3 month girlfriend we lost Shag G Shag G the leader of digital underground uh the famous Humpty Hump himself and he is a major pinnacle in the hip hop game one of the legends in the hip hop game uh p- quite possibly one of the first if the first if not the first uh, rapper to go against the grain, to go far left and, and be the oddball in, in the lineup of tough street cred having, you know, gangster rappers. You know, it's, you know, him and probably Will Smith, the clean, well, Will Smith was more clean cut. Humpty Hump was just. Odd future before odd future. The Humpty Hump dance is epic. It's timeless. It's forever here. Uh, It's eternal. And actually, the Humpty dance is one of the most sampled songs recorded by a hip-hop rap artist, boasting over 100 usages in other songs. By 1993, less than three years after its release, it had already been sampled in over 20 popular songs, most of them utilizing its drum track. In fact, it was sampled so much that Digital Underground humorously devoted the song the Humpty Dance Awards for their album The Body Hat Syndrome to the many recording artists who sampled the track. Since then, dozens more artists have sampled the Humpty Dance song from Ice Cube to Public Enemy from Ice Cube to Public Enemy just those two alone that's monumental that's historic over a hundred samples thank you Shock G the one who puts the satin on your panties they, they say he's the guy who's responsible for bringing Tupac into the music industry. Tupac was a, a performer, a thespian. He went to uh, one of those performing art schools. He didn't go to Juilliard, but he went to the same performing art school as Jada Pickett Smith. And he, he met Shock G uh, over in Cali, and the rest was history. And he started f- being featured in some of the digital underground songs all around the world, same song. Uh, and then, of course, the, the famous I Get Around Tupac song uh, with, with Shock G and Money B of Digital Underground. Yeah. And over the week, a lot of great hip hop came out. Now, 420 happened over the week. That was on Tuesday. And Red Man and Method Man, they had their verses. I still haven't seen it yet because I've been dealing with time wasters recently. But I'm going to get to that. But besides that, Young Thug drops his uh, S. Uh, 
Slime Language 2, Young Thug and YSL Records, Slime Language 2, Moneybag Yo dropped A Gangster's Pain, and on 420 on Tuesday, Currency dropped Financial District, and Snoop Dogg released From the Streets to the Suites, and all of the above are bangers. Now, I would only recommend Young Thug and Moneybag Yo uh, if you're into the trap rap, if you're one of those boom bap uh, purists from the 90s days and you just want to hear your rhymes, your uh, the, the basic elements and fundamentals of hip hop, uh, Moneybag Yo and Young Thug probably aren't for you. That's for the, uh, the newer millennial uh, generation or people who just appreciate modern stuff uh, and still find value in it. Now, also, I forgot to mention Conway the Machine released La Makina, and that was released last week, last Friday. Uh, and man, once again, Griselda, they never miss. They never miss. Conway the Machine, La Makina, five plus five stars, 25 mics. So there was a lot of hip hop released in the last couple of weeks. Conway the Machine, Snoop Dogg, Currency, Young Thug, uh, Moneybag Yo. There's a lot to catch up if you haven't checked any of that out. Now, something we have been checking out, the world has been checking out, is Derek Chauvin's case. And the funky honky cocksucker was guilty on all three charges. And we still have yet to uh, see his fate as far as his sentencing. That's going to be this summer, June 16th, uh, 2021. Uh, it's going to be held at Oak Park's Heights. Oak Park Heights. Yeah. And we also are going to have a tax evasion case uh, featuring him and his wife. And that's going to be coming up this summer. So it's going to be a, a, a white boy, a hot white boy summer for Mr. Derek Chauvin. Don't drop the sop. Don't drop the soap, you son of a bitch. Please say that twice. Now, the tax evasion trial begins June 30th, 2021. So he awaits his sentencing coming up. And that's going to be... What did I say? June 16th. So we he awaits his sentence hearing on June 16th. And then two weeks after that, his tax evasion case with his boo, with his bae. Fuck both of y'all. And y'all's kids. If y'all got some, motherfucker. And I watched the 2020 special on George Floyd. And man, it's still heart-wrenching. We're close to a year later and it still fucks with me, man. And I just couldn't help but think, why did he have to take this man's life? Really, man? Damn near 10 minutes. Knee just on his back. And there's two of y'all. Both of y'all need to be under the jail, getting butt-fucked by a pack of niggas. Fuck both of y'all motherfuckers. But enough of that, bitch. What about this Mortal Kombat? And how cool it is for people to shit on it. Really? Was it that bad? It's like the, the chic thing. It's in vogue to just totally crap on this new Mortal Kombat. And I watched it, and I am a pretty stern critic, and even I found it entertaining. Yes, it doesn't compare to the original back in 95, but you new millennials, what are you comparing it to? You weren't even born yet, or you were just born. I was there. I saw it in the theater. You weren't there. And it, it wasn't bad, as, ma as many people are making it out to be. I will say this, though. The Liu Kang that they picked, that motherfucker looks weak. They should have picked the original guy that they had playing Liu Kang, because this motherfucker, I feel like I could slap box his goddamn head off. 
and the script. Uh, it, it had a lot of moments of cheesiness. Uh, they, they found ways to reference uh, lines from the actual video game, which I thought was just too tongue-in-cheek, and I'm a pretty corny motherfucker. Uh, but, you know, that was a little bit too much uh, from time to time, but overall, the movie does not fucking tank like the public, like uh, the social media, these internet streets are trying to make it. Oscar's gonna be on tonight, not gonna watch that shit. NFL Draft is coming up this week, not gonna watch that shit. Uh, Chris Whedon apparently snapped his leg early in the first round in his match in UFC last night, and uh, it's uh, I guess you could say that's karma in a way. Anderson Silva, the ghost of uh, Mr. Silva. Uh, and I watched it, I'm not big on UFC, but I, I saw the the video bite, uh, the, the clip, of him just trying to kick the guy and it looked like the guy's shin was made out of fucking linoleum goddamn man it just basically snapped as he kicked the man and uh yeah chris weedman i i hope you uh get a full recovery man but uh maybe you want to stay out of that octagon and later, I'm going to be talking about Mob Deep. It's a uh, second album, The Infamous, released on this day in 1995. Yeah, one of the greatest albums of that era. One of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Today in sports history, in 1950, Chuck Cooper becomes the first African-American to be drafted into the NBA for the Boston Celtics. In 1952, the sixth NBA championship is held. Minneapolis Lakers beat the New York Knicks four games to three. In 1965, the 19th NBA championships are held. Boston Celtics beat the LA Lakers four games to one. In 1974, the NFL moves the goalposts and adopts sudden death playoff. In 1980, the A's manager Billy Martin is restrained by umpires from attacking a fan. In 1981, Seattle Mariners manager Maury Wills is suspended for two games after ordering King Dome grounds crew to enlarge batter's boxes by one foot. In 1985, for the second time, Wayne Gretzky scores seven points in a cup game, three goals and four assists. In 1989, Penguin Mario Lemieux ties the NHL playoff record of four goals in the first period. In 1993, the NFL Draft is held. Washington State quarterback Drew Bledsoe is the first pick by the New England Patriots. In 1997, Seattle Mariner Ken Griffey Jr. hits his 250th home run. In 2009, the NFL Draft is held. Georgia quarterback Matthew Stafford is the first pick by the Detroit Lions. In 2013, the NFL Draft is held again, and the Central Michigan offensive tackle Eric Fisher is the first pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. And once again, in 2019, the NFL Draft is held, and Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray is the first pick by the Arizona Cardinals. And that was my half-fast sports report. Coming up, I'm going to go over Mob Deep's second studio album, The Infamous, as it was released on this day, April 25th, 1995. We'll be black after these messages. My name is Mob Deep. In today's birthdays for April 25th, Happy 38th birthday to American football player D'Angelo Williams. Happy 45th birthday to American basketball player, Hall of Famer, NBA champion, Timmy! The big fundamental, Tim Duncan. Turning 51 today is American skateboarder, actor, comedian, and producer Jason Lee. Turning 52 today is American actress and producer Renee Zellweger. Zellweger. 
so something. Also turning 52 is American football player, sportscaster, and NFL Super Bowl champion Darren Woodson. Go Cowboys! Turning 57 today is American actor, voice actor, comedian, and producer Hank Azaria. Happy 75th birthday to American actress Talia Shire from Godfather and Rocky. Adrian! And turning 81 today is American actor and director, the man himself, Mr. Al Pacino. I thought I told him, man, no kiss, man. No kiss. Hoo-ha! How long we get aware that the storm before dysfunction gives way to reform? Before we understand there's no consolation when you let cronyism sabotage a nation. Case in point, here come the elite. Put your shirt off your back and the shoes off your feet. Represented by vultures who overshadow the culture. Don't it feel like we get fucked over? A soldier's blood sealed up in a barrel of oil. Casualty of America's spoils. Corrupt cops and broke correctional system. Cold trap Latinos and blacks in prison. This to the bullshit bureaucracy to silence the people with bullshit philosophy. If the meek inherit the earth, they gotta be willing to stand for it first. Really matter in a fight for your life. If the foot on your neck is the left or right. When every politician in the house is bought. And they never show remorse even when they get caught. Except that it's broke, gotta fix it. Trying to kick it to you, but you're not listening. It's a problem to manage your attention. Metamorphosis, no, gotta be a better way than this one. Break the poor man's back for the rich one. Shit is sick, but we got the prescriptions. Metamorphosis, no. Politics pinned by financial backers. Enter and panhandlers for animal crackers. Democracy or a hypocrisy. Push forward on the envelope constantly. With the demon possums, carbon copies. Constitutions being used as proxy. Ancient views believed by fools. No progress when seeing shoes. Always doing what you already did. So you always got what you still gonna get. Calling through the webs of hate and condemnation. The fucking the country. Put a cop on the nation. Being killed by the sound of silence. Closed mouths don't get fed. It's mindless. When you see truth, it's easy to see. Stupid, but the older I get, the less I expect. Life. If the foot on your neck is a left or right When every politician in the house is bored And they never show remorse even when you get caught Except that it's broke, gotta fix it Trying to kick it to you, but you're not listening This is the problem to manage your attention Metamorphosis, no. gotta be a better way than this one Break the poor man's back for the rich one Shit is sick, but we got the prescription Metamorphosis And a special mention to those no longer with us. This past Thursday, we lost American college basketball player Terrence Clark. Born September 6, 2001 in Boston, Massachusetts, he was a basketball player for the Kentucky Wildcats in the Southeastern Conference. He began his high school career at Rivers School before transferring to Brewster Academy, where his team won the 2019 National Prep Championships. Named a McDonald's All-American, Clark was a consensus five-star recruit and one of the best shooting guards in the 2020 class. He played one season in college for Kentucky before declaring for the NBA draft. Clark was a communication major at the University of Kentucky. He had three siblings, Tatiana, Gavin, and Madison. Following a workout with teammate Brandon Boston Jr., Clark died on April 22, 2021 in Los Angeles, California after being involved in a traffic collision. He was 19 years old. The Los Angeles Police Department stated that Clark was driving at a high speed when he ran a red light, hitting a car that was turning left and proceeding to hit a pole and block wall. He was driving a Genesis GV80 without wearing his seatbelt properly. On that same day, we lost American musician and rapper Shock G. 
Born Gregory Edward Jacobs on August 25, 1963 in Brooklyn, New York, he was the lead vocalist for the hip-hop group Digital Underground. He was responsible for Digital Underground's The Humpty Dance, Tupac's breakthrough single I Get Around, and co-producer of Tupac's debut album Tupacalypse Now. He spent most of his childhood moving around the East Coast with his family, eventually settling in Tampa, Florida. As a drummer, he won the 1978 Most Talented Trophy at Greco Junior High School, but after relocating to Queens, New York, he traded his drums in for a set of turntables upon discovering and marveling over hip-hop while the art form was still in an underground developmental stage. He was mentored in the craft by his cousin Rene Negron, aka DJ Stretch, and their close friend Sean Trone, aka MC Shati of the parody rap group No Face, who suggested Greg use the name Sha G. Jacobs liked the idea, but mistakenly thought his friend said Shock G and began using that name instead. After returning to Tampa less than two years later, he dropped out of Chamberlain High School to form the Master Blasters, a mobile DJ crew which featured three DJs and four MCs at its height. They performed at parties and also for the crowds at Riverfront Park's outdoor Sunday gatherings, eventually capturing interest of Tony Stone, a program director at WTMP Radio, which was the city's primary R&B station. Tony offered Jacobs, who was 16 at the time, a job DJing on the air, and for a short while, as Gregory Racker. He was the youngest radio personality in Central Florida with the regular time slot. After being fired for playing the 15-minute long album version of Not Just Knee Deep by Funkadelic in a five-minute time slot, and also after tensions with his father escalated, Jacobs found himself backpacking in the United States for a few years, drifting through odd jobs and petty criminal adventures. It was during this excursion that his focus switched from DJing to keyboard playing, and while utilizing piano practice rooms at music stores and colleges around the country, he effectively taught himself to play the piano. Deciding to pursue music seriously, he returned home, quickly obtained a diploma, and began attending Hillsborough Community College, where he studied music theory under Jim Burge and piano under Patricia J. Trice. It was there at HCC that he met and formed a bond with Kenneth Waters, and the two began performing together under various names, including the Chill Factor and also the Four Horsemen, which included MC Scooby-D and MD Dazzlin' Doc P, who had recently moved to Tampa from the Bronx, hip-hop's birthplace. Then in 1985, after two years of producing local artists for hire, playing solo piano gigs around town, performing with Kenny, and being a keyboardist in Warren Allen's Brooks Band, Greg and his aspiring actress girlfriend set their sights beyond Tampa and eloped to Los Angeles in search of greater opportunity. There he played keyboards in Kenny McLeod's pop funk band Onyx before leaving Los Angeles and finally arriving in the San Francisco Bay Area where he found work in an Oakland music store and where his group Digital Underground would form a few, a few years later. Soon after relocating to Oakland, California, Shock G formed Digital Underground along with Chop Master J and the late Kenneth Waters. After around 15 months of unsuccessful negotiations with various small record companies, in 1988, the trio finally released a 12-inch single on McCola Records. It featured Your Life's a Cartoon as the A-side and Underwater Rhymes as the B-side. Both songs were penned, produced, and performed by Jacobs, who also sketched the cartoonish cover illustrations. The record included the logo for Digital Underground startup label TNT, as well as McCola's logo. TNT was also founded by Tupac Shakur's management CEO, Atron Gregory. In 1989, the group signed with Tommy Boy Records and released Do What You Like, receiving minimal radio airplay, but became an underground hit. 
its video was more successful, reaching number 40 on the MTV's Top 100 Videos of the Year. Do What You Like paved the way for Digital Underground's debut album, Sex Packets, and the highest charting song of their career, The Humpty Dance, both released in early 1990 and both achieving platinum sales certifications by the RIAA. The latter was wrapped by Humpty Hump, the most flamboyant of Shock G's several alter egos. By that time, Digital Underground had expanded significantly, with DJ Fuse, Money B, and Schmoovy Schmoo joining the group, and with Rump. Ramon Pee Wee Gooden and Tupac Shakur joining by 1991. On April 22, 2021, Shaq G was found dead in a Tampa, Florida hotel room. He was 57 at the time of his death. Rest easy, y'all. On this day in 1995, The Infamous was released. The Infamous is the second studio album by the American hip-hop duo Mob Deep. It was released by Loud Records, and the album features guest appearances by Nas, Raekwon, Ghostface Killa, and Q-Tip. It was largely produced by a group member Havoc, with Q-Tip also contributing production while serving as the mixing engineer. Most of the leftover songs from the album became bonus tracks for Mob Deep's The Infamous Mob Deep album in 2014. Upon its release, the infamous achieved notable commercial success, debuting at number 15 on the U.S. Billboard 200 and number 3 on the top R&B hip-hop album charts. On June 26, 1995, the album was certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. The album produced four singles, Shook Ones Part 2, Survival of the Fittest, Temperatures Rising, Give Up the Goods, Just Step. The first three singles achieved varying degrees of chart success, with Shook Ones Part 2 being the most successful. The album's dark style, defined by its evocative melodies, rugged beats, and introspective lyrics concerning crime in New York's inner-city neighborhoods, received special recognition and critical praise, along with albums such as Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, Illmatic, and Ready to Die, the infamous is widely credited as a major contributor to the East Coast Renaissance. Furthermore, the album is credited with helping to redefine the sound of hardcore hip-hop using its production style, which incorporated eerie piano loops, distorted synthesizers, eighth-note hi-hats, and sparse filtered bass lines. During the spring of 1993, while the group was still in their late teens, Mob Deep released their first album, Juvenile Hell, under the 4th and B-Way Records label. The album included production from several revered New York-based producers, including Large Professor, DJ Premier, and Public Enemy affiliate Kerwin Young, and included the underground hit single, Hit It From The Back. Due to Juvenile Hell's failure to achieve significant commercial and critical success, the duo was dropped from their label several months after the album's release. Havoc and Prodigy later described Juvenile Hell as a learning experience. During the summer of 93, Loud Records was looking for another group to sign. Owing to the success of Wu-Tang Clan's first single, Protect Your Neck, and by fall 1993, the label had signed Mob Deep. In 1994, the group released the promotional single Shook Ones, which served as a preview of their new sound. Unlike the duo's first album, the infamous was mostly self-produced by Havoc and Prodigy, with outside help from Loud A&R representatives Matt Life and Shot Free, as well as a tribe called Quest producer Q-Tip, who discovered Mob Deep in the early 1990s. Matt Life later called Q-Tip's involvements, stating, Tip was very involved in the infamous from early on, probably more than people know. Tip was just a fan of theirs, and I knew him from way back, so he was really helpful, giving them advice. Q-Tip's contributions to the album were credited under his alias, The Abstract. 
on the group's decision to handle most of the production. Havoc later commented, we started producing because other producers was giving us shit that we didn't like, or they was just charging too much. I didn't know nothing about producing music at the time, but I learned by watching others. Recording sessions for the infamous began in 1994 and took place at Battery Studios, Platinum Island Studios, Firehouse Studios, and Unique Recording in New York City. Havoc produced most of the beats in his Queensbridge apartment, with Prodigy often assisting him. Earlier in their career, Prodigy taught him how to sample. Describing their minimal production setup, Prodigy said, Our first sampler we had was an EPS 16+. We had that for a little while, and when the NPC came out, we bought that, and that was it. A little record player, a little mixer, and that's all we needed. Mob Deep initially recorded 20 songs for the infamous, but executive producers Matt Life and Scott Free worked with them to improve the music. Matt Life recalled, Scott worked closely with them on how the rhymes were coming, and I worked closely with them on how production was coming. The first thing that I remember is them creating a semblance of the core of the first album, and me creating a rough in-house version of what the album could be, and throwing a sticker on the cassette. The early rough version of the album contained five or six songs, including the original versions of the album's four singles. The original Temperatures Rising was remade because of sample clearance issues. Later on, Q-Tip became the album's mixing engineer. Matt Life explained he came in later in the sessions and said he'd help mix a couple records, and then he ended up picking a couple records they did to redo. Except for Drink Away the Pain, the songs that Tip produced were already a full song before he got to them. He liked the lyrics on those original songs, but he redid the beats. It was the same song title, same hook, same rhymes, just new beats. Q-Tip also improved drum programming on Survival of the Fittest, Up North Trip, and Trife Life. Describing his contributions as a totally different sound than the Tribe stuff, Q-Tip encouraged Mob Deep to make their dark sound stand out by telling them to add major chords to their minor key samples. Havoc later stated, Q-Tip definitely bent his style a little bit to get with what we was doing. Like with Drink Away the Pain, you see him trying to get gangster with it. Scott Free summed up Q-Tip's influence. The album was pretty tight, but once Tip comes around, he hears different things. He changes kicks, snares, whatever. Also, you get to watch Havoc implement what he had already known with the cat-like Tip, and Tip showing him everything he knew showing him a format, a formula, and even how to double on the kicks. It's just kind of ill how he just came in and just cleaned it up. His influence is mostly sonically. Playing any one of those records in the club, the drums, and everything is big. Tip was always a master of making a record sound huge. Lyrically, Mob Deep added to the album's dark aesthetic. Speaking on his verse on Survival of the Fittest, Havoc explained, we were just straight hood. It wasn't no pretty boy shit. It was like, yo, let's throw on our Tims. It didn't get more harder than that. On each track, they rapped about the realities of prison, murder, robbery, selling drugs, and alcoholism, among other topics. Big Noid had a significant presence on the album, with four guest appearances, discussing Just Step Prelude. Prodigy recalled, that shit right there, that was a rhyme that Noid used to kick in the projects every day to niggas. He'd spit that shit that had the whole block going crazy. Big Noid initially preferred selling drugs and had no desire to be a rapper until the group convinced him otherwise. The remaining guest appearances happened in various ways. Nas was a childhood friend of Havoc. Raekwon and Ghostface Killer of Wu-Tang Clan were Mob Deep's label mates, and Crystal Johnson was an associate of Q-Tip. The album spent 18 weeks on the U.S. Billboard 200, peaking at number 15, and it also spent 34 weeks on the top R&B hip-hop albums charts, peaking at number 3. 
The Infamous was certified gold, with shipments of 500,000 copies in the United States by the RIAA on June 26, 1995. The single Shook Ones Part 2 and Survival of the Fittest reached number 59 and 69 on the Billboard Hot 100, respectively, and also reached the top 10 on the Hot Rap Singles chart. Upon its release, the infamous received widespread critical acclaim. Los Angeles Times critic Heidi Sigmund wrote that Mob Deep may be the toughest young force in hip-hop, noting their slow, stealthy beats and dark poetic talents. Enemy remarked that the duo bring the clipped rolling style of Rakim or EPMD, adding a chill menace to neighborhood boasts like Right Back At You and Eye For An Eye. Entertainment Weekly's Tiara Mukherjee likewise noted their mostly self-produced bare-bones beats and lyrics which paint a chilling picture of life on their mean streets, New York City's Queensbridge housing projects, concluding underground rap heads and those who can break away from Jeep beats will rejoice. Spin journalist Chris Norris highlighted the bleak lyrical content of the album, which he described as state-of-the-art East Coast reportage, drug selling, police fleeing, and homie dying vignettes, all told with vivid detail in a deadpan thousand-yard flow. Norris also found that the album's production transcended the conventions associated with East Coast hip-hop beats, instead mixing warm, old quest style, blue note whispers, gritty snares, and stark keyboard chimes like Sadie or Bill Evans with an MPC-60. In 2002, the source reappraised the infamous and gave it a perfect 5 mic rating, stating Prodigy's thugged-out entertainment and Havoc's sonic production on cuts like the bone-chilling Shook Ones Part 2 proved to be timeless joints in the same vein as Life's a Bitch and You Gots the Chill. The album was a staple for all hard-headed delinquents coming up in the game. In 2004's The New Rolling Stone Album Guide, critic Chris Ryan called it one of the greatest rap albums of the 90s. XXL Magazine gave it a classic rating of XXL in its retrospective December 2007 issue. In 2013, hip-hop journalist Jeff Chairman Mao hailed the infamous as an iconic New York record, while noting Q-Tip's understated role in its creation. Reviewing the album's 2014 reissue, Pitchfork critic Jason Green remarked on its lasting impact. With the infamous, Mob Deep invented a feeling, one that was more important than any individual word, chorus, or rhyme. All of New York was embracing degraded production at the time, but Havoc pushed beyond the low-resolution samples of RZA's Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers into near-total abstraction, producing a masterpiece of low, muffled, and malevolent sounds. Appropriately, the infamous also marked the moment that the language in gangster rap shifted from corner scrambles and specific vendettas to all-out war, endless and impersonal. This was the logical conclusion to the lyrical arms race in the mid-90s, gangster rap. Mob Deep got all the way to the end first and said everything best. Happy 26th anniversary, the infamous. Thank you, Mob Deep. R.I.P. Prodigy. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Please make sure you check out my other show, Happened in the 90s with my buddy Matt G, and our sister show, Crushgasm, with Kendra, his wife, every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and your mom's podcast. Y'all be cool. Peace. Fly the double dragon, spitting more fire. Steve.